I'm Cutter Calloway. I'm Tamisha Tyler. I'm Marsha Lee. And I'm Joyce Del Rosario. Thanks for joining our Progressive TV Dinner, an audio series where we gather around a meal to talk TV, theology, gender, race, and of course, food. This season, we're discussing the Canadian sitcom that is new to Netflix in the U.S., Kim's Convenience. Today's meal is brought to you by the Brim Center and the Asian American Center at Fuller Theological Seminary. You've all arrived. You're all here. So, thank you. We are now surrounding a whole bunch of delicious dishes. Ooh. We could call this a delicious dish, but then that would be That's an actual copyright thing. infringement. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Who wants to go first fishing? of what they brought <laughs> and and how how like uh, descriptive can you be? Oh. Because this is only will be heard, but we're the only ones tasting it. So, True. <laughs> Joyce, do you want to start since sure. you? Uh... So I brought Filipino style egg rolls, which we call lumpia. Oh, um, lumpia. And there's different kinds of lumpia, but the one I brought was, it has, I think this one is ground beef. It's typically pork, and there's mm. some vegetables in it. Usually, it's the crispy wrapper is what's perfect, mm. but I closed the lid and steamed it up, and now it's not crispy. Um, but it's okay. The taste is still good. I, I tested four oh, today. <laughs> um, and then the dipping sauce here is what we call suka, which is spicy vinegar. Um, <laughs> so it's a white vinegar with like chilies um, in it, infused mm-hmm. in the white vinegar. So it kind of What kind of chilies? There's usually a red chili. I don't know why they're all green right now. And some garlic mm. and some... So I don't know what kind of chilies. I just get the one that comes in the bottle. Oh. <laughs> I just know the brand that that's I'm supposed good. to yeah, get, yeah. and then that's how I know. That's it. That's my dish. That's that's kind of funny though to me of the way that we sort of uh, exotic. <laughs> what is it? Make exotic other cultures. We were uh, I remember exoticized. Exoticized. That's what I want to say, but I didn't think that was a word. Um, and uh, I was, I was in Ukraine uh, doing some teaching, and and these wonderful people who were hosting me every morning would bring me this delicious cup of coffee. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> and 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 so um, I always had uh, a, a, someone who was interpreting for us, um, but the hosts were not, and or were, didn't speak English. And so um, finally, like three or four days in, I the interpreter's there, and I said, can you ask them? I'm like this is delicious. I'm sure it's some like eight years, you know, thousands of years old coffee recipe. I'm like, what is this delicious coffee? And they're like, oh, that's Nescafe. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was instant coffee, yeah, and I'm like, oh, it. you know, ah, uh, so still tastes know. good though. Yes, yes. Still. Just goes to show you've been spilling five dollars for no reason. I know, I know. <laughs> so Nescafe, silly. man. Marsha, would you would you bring? I just brought this is called pantan <clears throat> in oh, Korean side pan-tan. dishes, right? And then I brought purple rice, or japokpap, I can't say it right, but it's like a multi-grain rice with like barley, black, sweet rice, brown rice. <laughs> it's a little healthier and it's pretty. It's purple. Yeah, it's naturally it purple. It's good. Mm-hmm. And then these are like meat patties. I'm not totally sure, but like I used to always buy them <laughs> at the Korean grocery store. With like some egg in it. Yeah, it's like battered and egg and fried. Um, delicious. Tamisha, what about you? I brought fries. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you're and, and importantly, Ranch. In ranch dressing. I mean, that's... Lucky Boy fries. It's yeah. not a, a cultural dish. It's a family dish. Because yeah. when my sister used to watch us, she's 10 years older than us, so she was always designated babysitter, whether she liked it or not. So her form of rebellion of this is my own thing was to always make french fries huh. and have ranch dressing. Uh, really? And then like she made we, the french fries? She made her own french fries. Huh. And we're like, we want fries. She's like, nope, you have your designated lunch. This is my my one thing because I'm the oldest. Wow. <laughs> so 
when we got older, we got a chance to have our own fries. It's like our, our, our own rebellion. Of, we have fries too now. Cooking as rebellion. That's pretty good. Um, it's also interesting too to think of like, yes, there's ethnic food or whatever they inherited, but then there's all these like super hyper local traditions or practices mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that maybe even they run counter to it. So mine, for example, I brought, this is uh, Texas caviar or cowboy caviar. Because <laughs> um, at first I was going to do like chips and queso or something. Mm. Um, and it's just, you know, basically a, a salsa with beans and, and corn and stuff. But I'm from Texas. But I think where I'm going to take us all is to get barbecue. And what I found out, so there's different kinds of barbecue in different mm -hmm. kinds of culture. And I grew up in Texas uh, with a certain kind of barbecue that turns out isn't actually Texan. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought it was, but it's actually more like Eastern. It's like a Tennessean because my mom and her parents mm. are from there and moved to Texas. But anyway... So I grew up thinking what one thing was, was Texas barbecue was not that thing. Uh -uh. Um, it was just my family. And then I even later found out that my mom made this specific kind of barbecue sauce that now is what I associate as barbecue. Um, and it was just to get me, a little kid, to eat stuff. What's and in it's, it? It's basically like, <laughs> it's ketchup and syrup and uh, brown sugar and uh, like pepper and, and I think some white sugar too. So. <laughs> Um, That's why it's so it's, good. Yeah, it's very so it's sweet. Just a and bunch of sugar. Yeah, yeah, it's just sugar. <laughs> uh, it's sugar, and it, it was all just for the sake of getting me to eat it. And I thought it was like this traditional, you know, barbecue nope. <laughs> from Texas or something. Nope, nope. But this is uh, a, I guess, classically Texan dish um, or appetizer anyway, um, which is what I brought. I think the uh, this this season of the podcast is called a Progressive TV Dinner, mm. and I don't know. I didn't realize that that would make it sound like. We're progressives. That wasn't intentional, but <laughs> but I think that's what some people probably associate with. It started with progressive dinner, and we had TV dinner because TV dinner. Okay, great. So we're talking about TV, um, but it all started with when I was chatting with Joyce about a thing that you used to do, um, or still I guess continue to do, is a, a, like potluck theology, mm -hmm. um, and that was sort of the origin of a conversation that led to what we're doing now. Can you like tell us a little bit about what that was all about? And huh. yeah, so. Growing up, my family, and I mean big extended family, um, cousins, 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 married into cousins kind of thing, mm. um, we would have potlucks, and we would have potlucks at church, we'd have potlucks, you know, for Christmas. So Christmas for me is like 60 people plus. Mm. Wow. 68 people. A regular Sunday afternoon after church is like 18 people. So it's just, mm. we're just, mm -hmm. we, we go in groups, we, we roll deep. <laughs> So when we do potlucks, you know, you have to have a lot of food for all those people. So um, I grew up with everyone bringing, having their, their best dish, their like signature dish. So Uncle Dan always had the prime rib. He always had the turkey. He always had basically the, the major protein. Um, Auntie Yvonne would have her like Chinese chicken salad or um, strawberry spinach salad. Lori always made like layered jello um, desserts and then... Um, I got the mashed potatoes because <laughs> no one wanted to do 20 pounds of mashed potatoes. <laughs> so they're like, Joyce, you, you do that. But you know, when I did mashed potatoes, I take pride in it, right? Yep. So I had, I, I would put in cream cheese and um, heavy whipping cream and butter, like all of it. And then I would do a separate vegan one and then a separate oh. like, so yeah. So, it, I mean, it was a thing, but I took pride in it because that was my one dish to bring to the table. Mm. And, um. And I think that's the ethos of our potlucks was you bring your best dish to the table. 
then I get to middle school, and it was the first non-Filipino potlucks I, I experienced. And then I saw these things with, like, Doritos crumbled on top, <laughs> these, like, buckets of KFC, mm-hmm. and, like, a package of Oreos. And I was like, what, what is this? And mm-hmm. I never had, I had never experienced a potluck kind of where people brought, like, what was easiest. And so that was really different for me. Right. So Pollock Theology kind of came out of my, my multicultural understanding of church in that, um, you know, I've, I've experienced church, Korean church, black church, Chinese. I'm preaching at a Chinese-American church right now, Filipino-American church that I grew up in, um, in all different ways. And I was like, man, if we could just bring our best to the table, to the, to the theological or kingdom table, church would look so good, right? Like, if I could get... Um, black preaching and Samoan harmonizing in worship <laughs> and like Korean prayer and you know Filipino yeah. potluck after or something you know like all those kinds of like if we just bring our best to the mm-hmm. table um, shoot Anglo-American like you know theology and tradition right like we there's so many gifts that we bring to the table mm-hmm. um, it it creates this this body in the center of um the, a picture of the kingdom that I think is so great, and everyone wins. Everyone partakes of the goodness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so no one, you know, it's it's not a hierarchy. It's not a. It's it's just, it's a democratized way of being able to enjoy everyone's best. Mm-hmm. So that's potluck theology for me. Cool. Yeah, I love that picture because, and then I sort of I've decided recently that I'm a theological improviser. <laughs> that's what I do. Some people call it heresy, but I sort of like take ideas and go, ooh, what if we did, you know, like the yes and thing. And so I remember you were first telling me about that, and I'm like, oh, I love that idea as a metaphor. And um, we were specifically talking about um, sort of interracial, intersectional conversations mm-hmm. in theology and all the problems with it and stuff. And I go, oh, so that's a good way for us to think about how we should move toward navigating these sort of conversations, whether in a seminary like we're at or in the church or in society. And then you had a really good uh, response to that. <laughs> and, I did. <laughs> yes, yes. Wait, do you remember it or are you? Well, keep leaving. Oh, okay, it. well, <laughs> the, the, response, the response I remember was, that's all fine and well, Cutter. So I was like, oh, so it's important for me to like invite people to bring their best dish, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, okay, yeah, except it's still your table. And you're right, right? Like, you're the one um, invite, doing Yeah, the you're the one doing the inviting. Yeah. And oh, I remember because we were actually talking about another podcast and mm. I'd invited you on it and you're mm. like, hey, it was very clear. In this case, it was a male-female thing. Like two men invited me to participate. So, mm. I, you know, it was clear what that, that sort of dynamics there. Mm. And I was like, oh, no. So, you know, uh, again, that's sort of Cutter once again going, <laughs> I realized my sort of blinders. And, and in that saying... When you're hosting, you're setting basically the rules. It's your mm-hmm. house. It's your you sort of are the norm. Mm-hmm. Even if it's your family, let's say inviting other families, your practices, your mm-hmm. rituals, the kind of food you like, um, what constitutes your best, that sort of thing mm-hmm. is what dictates everything else. And then people have to come in and and be <clears throat> uh, guests, right? Mm-hmm. They have to learn how to do that. And so that's when I was like, well, so what? what does this mean then? What if, so what you're saying, Joyce, is maybe you need a chance to host the Mm -hmm. conversation Mm -hmm. and be the one doing the inviting. And that puts me in a position of learning how to be in someone else's space that's not my own. And in some cases actually sets up a 
situation where maybe I'm not invited, <laughs> right? And I need to deal with that. Mm. And so it, it shifted for me a lot of thinking like, rather than just me being someone who looks and acts and, and lives in a sort of dominant culture paradigm, thinking how do I prepare a table better it shifts, at least for me, to say, how do I become a person who is hostable? Right? Mm. How, do, how do I learn how to do that in a way that I would be someone that would anyone would even imagine <clears throat> inviting <laughs> into their space so that when you're saying, mm -hmm. bring your best, you would even come to me? And I realized I had, I had been shaped for a lot of reasons, systemically, personally, whatever, into a person that really wasn't hostable. So, mm. so that's kind of what I think um, originated the idea for this was let's talk about, now we have this TV show, right? that we're going to talk about that does its own thing. We'll, we'll, I want to ask you some questions about that in a second. But for those of us who are in positions of privilege, and I think all of us bring some kind of privilege of mm -hmm. different kinds to it, it's not just for us to become better hosts, but um, how do we become someone who's hostable, someone who others would actually want to share a meal with? Mm -hmm. So my question for you all is, what then does it mean for you to host somebody at your table. Now again, we're speaking metaphorically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to invite someone into that sort of intimate space? Um, what are some of the things you think about when you're playing the part of the host? And it could be, you know, actual food um, mm -hmm. or, or me more metaphorically in terms of how we relate with people who are other than us. Mm -hmm. And by the way, these, how do I say these again? Lumpia. Lumpia are delicious. Yeah, they're, not, they're a little crunchy. Yeah, a little. <laughs> I need to steam it all down. <laughs> That's part of the stress of being a host, right? Like mm -hmm. wanting everything to be perfect yeah. and represent exactly what it's supposed to be like. Right. Because you hear your mom like, hmm. It's like, it's <laughs> That's true. When you walked in, you had said you felt a burden for this to be perfect. Right. Because you to wanted. Represent yeah, yeah. 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 Well, well, I mean, like, so there's someone in my office who's Filipino or Chinese Filipino. Mm -hmm. And I was able to serve it without too much apology because mm -hmm. I know he knows what it's supposed to taste like. Mm -hmm. But of, of course, serving it to non-Filipinos, I have this like more self-conscious hmm. feeling of, oh, but you don't know what it's no. supposed to, it's so much better than what I'm, I'm showing you now, kind of mm. a thing. Mm -hmm. um, but Marsha, we were talking about being a good guest or what? Oh yeah. In particular from last, birthday. Yeah, from last night. So I was sitting at a table of all white people and mm. me. And so, but the good thing is the one guy who's a vegetarian, hmm. He's like, oh no, so are you okay? Because I'm always conscious of who can and cannot eat stuff. Yeah. He's like, can you eat this? Oh no, I come here at least, I come, I live in Koreatown, so huh. like I eat this once a week because for me it's more like an ethical thing. I don't buy meat for myself, but if I'm in a group and I'm in a different culture setting, I'm gonna eat the food, yeah. which I was like, good for you. Yeah. Like, so, and he was just going for it. So, <laughs> but I think I appreciated that because it feels kind of like what, what Anthony Bourdain did, you mm. know, kind of mm -hmm. like he'd mm -hmm. walk into, and I was, I would always describe him as, kind of like the best kind of missionary in the huh. sense where when it came to food, uh -huh. the whole concept of eating what's set before you and like yeah. not complaining and mm -hmm. like, and without any like chagrin, like any sense of like you're shaming the host yeah. or making them feel bad because they're going to probably put the best thing forward, mm -hmm. like what Joyce was talking mm -hmm. about. And so I, mean, I felt like this guy kind of embodied that and I was mm -hmm. really impressed by that because mm -hmm. um, he doesn't typically eat a lot of meat. And so for him to like, no, but I'm here and I'm going to do it because mm -hmm. it's the right thing to do. So... I think that really spoke volumes to the type of person he was and his humility. And this that. was at your birthday party to me. Yeah, right. Um, at a Korean barbecue. At a Korean, at a Korean barbecue. barbecue. So, <laughs> did you? How did? 
it ended up being there because you picked it or I did. Yeah, so she picked it. <laughs> you, are you the hostess at that point or was it really your was your birth celebrating your birthday but Marsha organized it. I mean I Oh uh, no, I didn't organize. Actually Joyce, oh, Joyce kind of organized. organized it. Okay. So, <laughs> so do you Good think similar yeah. like if it's a your birthday you're sort of hosting the party kind of because it's about you or or not really. You're just there to to enjoy yourself and someone else is hosting it. I think it's, I, I am torn because I'm generally the host mm -hmm. um, or the person organizing. So to be the person that's the guest, in a sense, the guest of honor, mm -hmm. you don't, the hosting thing doesn't, it doesn't turn off. Mm. It just mm -hmm. doesn't. Mm -hmm. So then the other hosts suffer because I'm going to ask them 50 million questions. <laughs> <laughs> did you take the picture? Did you take a picture? Of the <laughs> I did. Wait, I sent it to you. Picture, I didn't see the picture. <laughs> so I, I have all these things going through my head of like, yeah. did this happen? Did this happen? Did this happen? Did this happen? <laughs> Those things mm. don't turn off mm. even when you're a guest. Mm. Um, so I think if there's any I guess that's to used be, to being host. There's a difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. For any person that's used to hosting, and in this context, metaphorically, mm -hmm. would be having privilege. Mm -hmm. Like, part of it is oh. um, mm -hmm. allowing the quote-unquote messiness, difference, mm -hmm. letting mm -hmm. go of that sense of control mm -hmm. of, good. this isn't the way I necessarily would yeah. have done it, or the, and just, just being in the space. Mm -hmm. um, and knowing that, you know, if yeah. you didn't see somebody take a picture, they probably took a picture. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. you are still going to have to deal <laughs> with, like, the... The questions and like the how do I fully like feel like I'm being you know a guest mm -hmm. um what does that mean because it's not just like a I know how to do this better it's not that it's yeah, yeah. just you're so used to being in that place that receiving yeah. mm -hmm. even becomes difficult yeah mm -hmm. so then how do I put myself in a posture to receive whatever it is mm -hmm. that is the best from the people that are giving yeah. and that best may not necessarily be your best that best on that day may not necessarily be their best so maybe the lumpia is a little you know, <laughs> because it got steamed. It's true. But it's, it's true. a sense of like in that moment, mm -hmm. it is the best because that, that's yeah. what you have. How do you be present with that? So I think that that's um, really difficult for people who are used to hosting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, and it, it's even like, what is, what is it that's the best thing? So mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking of your example, Joyce is saying, okay, now you went to these other potlucks where it wasn't their best meal. They were like bringing something store-bought. And in some, I mean, I've been to some of these mm -hmm. because that's entirely beside the point. It, mm -hmm. it, it's not like the me. It's this is an excuse for us to get together, mm -hmm. and that's their best. Mm -hmm. Like I'm coming mm -hmm. to host or this other thing. Oh, by the way, I brought some cake from Safeway, you know, mm -hmm. something like that, mm -hmm. which is totally foreign to you know mm -hmm. um, where you were coming because the food was the thing, yeah. right? So how do you even make that sort of switch to go? Okay, maybe we're at a potluck, but it's not about the food, you know? Right. And that does sound odd, but maybe I that's I mean, the thing. it's culturally, because I don't know of a yeah. potluck that isn't about the food. I know, and, and I agree, that, yeah, and, yeah. And part of, it's like going to a fancy party and wearing jeans and then yeah. going, you know, oh, well, I'm here, it's about me present. Part of, part of your presence is the way in which you present yourself. Hmm. So, it's one thing to, you know, I can cook, I brought fries. <laughs> time and craziness and stuff didn't allow me to bring mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. that I probably would have necessarily brought. Mm -hmm. Does that necessarily mean like it's not my best if we, this was a cooking competition? No, I probably yeah, would have yeah. not even been included. I probably yeah. would have been disqualified. <laughs> but there is something about the aspect of presence. Some people go to church and they wear their best because part of them being there is not just about being in the seat. It's about I've taken the time and the intentionality to really think about what it means to be present and to carve out the space to prepare myself yeah. to be present. So part of the food preparation and bringing the food is 
I not only want to be present with you, but like everything about the aspect of us joining together, I've thought about intentionally and I want to present as my best. Mm -hmm. So it's about um, what is, it goes back to the intention of what is behind that. So it's yeah. one thing if we were just like, we really need to get together, our lives are crazy, let's just go buy some stuff and be yeah. there. And it's not about the food, it's about yeah. us being there. It's another thing about part of my being mm. there and honoring you as a person is bringing forth my best. Yeah. I'm gonna dress up, I'm gonna bring mm. my best dish. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, do all the different things. So it's about <coughs> what the intention is behind um, that space that really speaks. So somebody yeah. was being your best and somebody brought a bag of Doritos <laughs> and they could have brought their best, yeah. that communicates something very differently. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and I'm thinking back to, okay, now you're coming from a sort of practice that there's no chance you're not spending hours preparing the food you're bringing. Then you enter into this other context where some for time, I mean, I'm sure that was part of it. It's like, yep. well, time and, and uh, you know, chance happened and now I got to bring this. Um, so how do you then think through because I would say we all would step back and go, yeah, but really well-prepared food just is better, <laughs> right? Like mm -hmm. if we're going to eat it and don't we want to invite maybe this other group who's coming with, you know, pre-made food to realize how much better it is, mm -hmm. you know, how do you, how do you think you operate then in that new context? Now you're the guest and you've been asked to bring a dish mm -hmm. and you've put this time energy. Now you're like present there. What, what would be some of those things that you do to ensure, one, you really are presenting your best without it being like a, a, a condemning critique of, of the failures of this other culture? Or how do you not realize where maybe it really simply is some sort of cultural difference? Well, if all four of us are foodies. Yeah. So how do we enter spaces where that's not the value? Yeah. Is yeah. that the question? I, so, and, and maybe this is where I get my American side, is... Like, no, I'm still going to bring my best yeah. dish because I want something good to eat. So if no one else is coming <laughs> to the table, I still need to ensure yeah. that yeah. I'm going to enjoy something at this table. And it may be the thing that I bring because that may be the only thing. So yeah. just in case, let me make sure I bring my best. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> That's good. Interesting. <laughs> That's truly about the food. That's not as much. I can't play that out met metaphorically. but Well, it is. I mean, but there is a way to, I think, to, to Misha's point, there's a way, there's like a posture. and a, I mean, like you could bring it in and be like, burr, 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 like mm -hmm. the yeah, real food's here, everybody, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or there's like, oh, you know, here's my dish. Yeah. And then it happens that you yourself are near that dish the yeah. whole time. And, you know. <laughs> So my thing is, I always try to, I'm always sussing out ahead of time, like mm -hmm. you were mentioning. I tend to like think two, two, five, ten steps ahead. So I'm, if I know that the space I'm going into doesn't care about the food, then I'm probably not going to bring. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I don't want to stick out. I don't want to draw attention hmm. that might not, because I'm always thinking about the group. Is it going to cause the dynamics to be, un, like, is it going to shame somebody? Mm -hmm. Is it going to, you know, I'm mm -hmm, always thinking mm -hmm. like that too. And also, sometimes people don't have means to put yeah. out, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I'm thinking about that. I'm yeah. always conscious of, yeah. like, who, what's, like, like, there's a money issue. There's, like, is, is there something <coughs> going on that I don't, I can't see or not, you know? So I'm always cognizant of multiple dynamics happening at the same time. But see, in my head, it's not about mm -hmm. shaming others. No, it's about everyone getting to enjoy. Sure, sure, the sure, sure. And so maybe no. that might be a little... And get, remember, I'm the mashed potato person in my family, mm -hmm. so it's not yeah, like I'm the best cook. Mm -hmm. Right. But it is the idea of, well, if I can bring something that others can be blessed by as well. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that's my posture coming in. I mean, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. trying to make that my posture coming in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's um, also about, yeah. too, I think, regulating what best is for each person. Like, sure. Marsha, you talked about, like, what if people don't have the means or what mm -hmm. if people don't have that? I remember... 
was having a conversation with a gentleman at a conference about he was doing a project of um, working with the homeless population in his mm -hmm. community and they wanted to provide food and have like this potluck and mm -hmm. they were like we just want to invite them and da, 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 you know and I was like well in what ways can you you know create a certain sense of agency and dignity that these people are not just you're not just giving them a handout for a potluck but you're inviting them in to participate mm -hmm. and he was like well they don't have a place to live they can't bring anything and I was like they can get a bag of chips mm -hmm. they can bring you know a drink mm -hmm. um those things for us, it's like it's not yeah. a home-cooked meal, but it's their best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think mm -hmm. creating spaces where people have the opportunity to bring what their best is and honoring that, even if it's not necessarily, mm -hmm. you know, your best, but for mm -hmm. the person who just really can't, you yeah. know, cook and they mm -hmm. made a dish and you know it's like you put a lot of effort into this. Mm -hmm. it, did, it did not happen, but you put a lot of effort into mm -hmm. this and, and this is your best. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the struggle in trying to negotiate because one, like you don't necessarily always know everybody's story yeah. and there's yeah, all these yeah, different yeah. complexities, but mm -hmm. I think that's where the, the posture is, is, is starting with humility and graciousness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's hard being a foodie because you're like, but that's part of the, the struggle <clears throat> internally that you have to fight against. Yeah. Well, so then like relationally, there are these moments, places, your example of, it was a homeless shelter or? or it was a church community. Yeah. So th this, this group where people are being mindful of um, both who their primary constituency is, but then also who could or couldn't be marginalized depending upon how they just, you know, set the table, basically. But then there's various tables that are set that have uh, pretty, not clear cut, but pretty focused groups, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's a family, right, mm -hmm. we're going to get together, or, um, or a church, right? And... Then there's always this question, and I have this as me being a uh, white male, white, heterosexual, cisgendered male, mm -hmm. that I am imposed, my, just my very presence sort of imposes on others. Mm -hmm. And therefore I know that others, there, there are places and tables that I'm not going to be invited because of the risks that are involved for that community, right? Mm -hmm. So how would you describe what... What's involved when you invite someone like me to that table? Like, what are the risks you're taking on simply to say, <laughs> hey, Cutter, <laughs> you want to come eat with us? Uh, for me? Well, because I grew up, too, thinking my food was nasty, right? Like, mm -hmm. because it was shameful. I grew up in a really, I grew up in, I was born in Cheltenham, Philadelphia area, where it was mostly black and Asian kids. And then I moved to the white suburbs, right, when I was in first grade. Yeah. So mostly Jewish, kind of, mm -hmm. but super white. So then I remember like sometimes my mom would pack me Korean food and you're always afraid, is it going to smell? Is it going to mm. weird people out? You know, like stuff like that. And I remember one time too, we, we had two different refrigerators, right? Because one for the kimchi and all the Korean food and one for like our American food so the, the smells don't cross contaminate and all that <laughs> stuff. But I remember when we were moving, people would look at our house, right? And then one of the ladies opened our refrigerator to the Korean food. And she's like, what's that smell? Like, and I remember my mom was so ashamed. Like, she was so like, oh my God, we can't, I don't, I don't know why she opened the door. And then she's like, can you make coffee or bake bread or something so the smell? Like, she would ask me to do stuff like that to like, because there's something, what if they don't like our food? Like, what if they think it's gross and nasty? Even in college, I remember someone's like, yeah, I hide kimchi in my little fridge. And then like, I shut the door really fast <laughs> after I ate it because I don't want people to smell it. But there's like this weird... It's foreign, it's weird. And nowadays, it's like this whole, like, Korean food's this hot thing now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's so weird to me because it was so 
vilified I felt like when I was a kid. So I'm always trying to figure out, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, if, if you're at not Korean, I'm always trying to feel out, like, can you, like, do you like this kind of thing? And I always kind of test the waters before. I'm like, okay, and then I'll try to start with, like, easy stuff, like barbecue, that's easy, or like, because <laughs> um, some people don't like kimchi, right? Because it's smelly, it's pungent, it's kind of spicy. But then, like, if I kind of gauge, you're willing to, especially if you're willing to go with me to Koreatown, or if you're willing to go to a space where you're not in the dominant space, like, you're not the dominant person there, um, that takes a lot, I mean, that's a trust thing, right? And so, like, because, I'm inviting you into, so if you can't eat my food, it's one thing if you just can't eat it, if you're allergic or something, but if you're not willing to at least try, then I feel like you're rejecting me too. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, food is very deep, like, yeah. you know, for my, for me and my family. So, and my mom's always worried when it's non-Korean. She's like, are they going to eat that? Like, mm. are they going to really like that? And she's shocked when they do like it. Cause mm. I've, I've brought some friends to Philly with me and my mom didn't know what to do. Cause she's like, it's a lot of non-Korean people sitting at this table. And, mm. and she was kind of impressed that they were like going down and like really eating all the food mm. and enjoying it. But I think cause there's so much, that's who we are. Our mm. food is our people. So it's kind of, I don't know. I don't know if that's the same yeah. for you guys. So. I think. I, I, so I had similar going to school with the bags of lunch, right? And I'd have like three or four Tupperwares. So I'd have a grocery bag instead of a small lunch bag. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was embarrassing. They would make fun of me for that. Mm -hmm. And then I just asked my mom for peanut butter and crackers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just me too. looked more American, right? Yeah. And so in school, I was embarrassed. Yeah. But and when I'm hosting, or like if you came to my house, mm -hmm. I was never Like people would <laughs> come mm -hmm. over and they'd see like a big bowl of like shrimps with the heads on and freak out. And right. I'm like... That's what it looks like. <laughs> like. I know it's weird that it's just sitting there, but that's because people come in and eat at any given time. There's yeah. always food on the table. Yeah. And so, um, in if like Cutter, if you were to come to my context and come to my family, mm -hmm. there wouldn't you wouldn't be imposing. You'd be invited. You'd be the mm -hmm. guest, mm -hmm. and it would be like, oh, have the and like you know, like we have this dish called dinaguan, which is um, pork and pork's blood, and it mm -hmm. looks dark and brown and. Um, you know, and Filipinos are like, ah, try it, Cutter, it's chocolate mm -hmm. meat, right? And so it's like, it's it's like kind of this like, tee-hee-hee, the non-Filipino is going to eat the chocolate, quote-unquote, meat. Mm -hmm. But right, like I took Tamisha and she had some and... It, I was so proud. I was like, yeah. yeah. Like, she, like, I was so she proud. She didn't tell me it was chocolate meat. Yeah. She actually Not, told me. Yeah, I told her what it was. I was, <laughs> like, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'll try it. Yeah, But it, it brought so much joy to me yeah. to have my friend, like, taste, like, something so hardcore Filipino mm -hmm. that other Filipinos don't even eat that sometimes. Um, it brought joy to me of, like, having a non-Filipino yeah. try it even and, and enjoy it, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I would have it as a dish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... I think it's context, right? Yeah. If, if I'm in a white American dominant context, mm -hmm. you don't want to stick out. Right. But mm -hmm. if you're in my turf, then mm -hmm. I have no problems letting you, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. kind of learn shrimps do have heads. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a little different yeah. being African American because, mm -hmm. you know, it's soul food. So it's, it's you know, I didn't have, you know, problem five, probably, you know, one, we, I didn't take, like, a bunch of soul food to school, yeah. like, you know, yeah. to get you money, or, you know, yeah. you did that, you yeah, know, yeah. whatever the school was serving that day, so it's just, you know, um, because I'm not an immigrant, I didn't, my parents didn't, you know, come here from another country, it, the, the dynamic of food is a little different, um, but food is very, very, very yeah. integral to who we are. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to inviting outside people, like you've all heard the term like invited to the cookout. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's it is about the food and it isn't just about the food. <laughs> right. mm -hmm. yeah. Because the gathering is about the food, but 
the, the inside to be able to invite to the table is more than mm-hmm. the food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a, a, a significant amount of vetting, I yeah. think, that that mm-hmm. happens mm-hmm. before you invite yeah. it to the sure. table. Yeah. Um, although if you just happen to like show up, like we yeah. won't be like, oh, you yeah. can't come. Like, you know, there's very much this welcoming, generous, yeah. Yeah. hospitable, yeah. like random people mm-hmm. would come to my sister's house all the time. And yeah. if there was food, you know, you ate. Yeah. So if you ever just stumbled upon one of her houses, you would never not eat. Mm-hmm. But I think the invitation into the dinner, into the cookout, into the, that space, um, because it's more than just about the food, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot more that needs to be protected because it's mm-hmm. where people let down their guard, they mm-hmm. let down their hair, they don't have to worry about mm-hmm. all the other threats and the other things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to bring somebody in, that would be a potential risk, would just ruin everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for those moments, there is vetting. But if you just happen to be around and you're yeah. hungry, like my, yeah. little, my little brother would take food out to like the homeless people <laughs> on the holidays and be like, where did he go? And he would like steal the food <laughs> and like take it out to like whoever was on the street. Like you'll eat, Yeah. you won't go without, we'll take care of you. But for those spaces, yeah. um, those are sacred. It's about the food, but it's about more than the food. The same could be said about our conversation on Kim's Convenience. It's about the show, but it's also about more than the show. So, did you all read uh, Helen Lee's article on yes. Kim's Convenience? It, I thought it was really interesting because she talks about this show in particular, mm-hmm. um, decentering, right? So that's I think that gets back uh-huh. to the progressive dinner, to the, uh-huh. the vetting, right? Um, and and I thought it was just a really great article because Marsha doesn't re- realize this, but Marsha's the reason why I first started watching Kim's Convenience. Yeah, and, no uh, idea. Yeah, and see, I, I blame and give you credit for everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but Helen comes out with this really great article talking about her family and how they identify with it. It basically saying that the show didn't just feel like home, like feel like that family cookout, right? But that in doing that, the show saw them, right? Saw mm-hmm. her sons. They were mm-hmm. saying, it, it sees me. And most, you know, most of the stuff you see on TV, if you are an ethnic minority, or even just non-white, really, mm-hmm. non-male, um, <laughs> that it doesn't really see you. And it's asking you to always sort of make the leap. You're mm-hmm. inhabiting someone else's space. You're doing that. And then here's the show that seems to be actually more hospitable and at the same time uh, forces certain people who are used to being the guest of honor to not be, which is sort of problematic. So I guess my questions, we'll talk in more in detail about the show, but just as just as a television show. So none of us, it, since it's a, a show about a Canadian, a, a Korean immigrants to Canada, mm-hmm. none of us directly identify, mm-hmm. you know, along any sort of lines. Um, but some, you know, you being Korean, uh-huh. you have certain, identi- you, you identify in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Me being a dad of a daughter, right? Like mm-hmm. I identify in a different way, this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So in what ways would you say you, the show and your viewing of it made you feel at home or that it could see you? And then the other side of that question is just in general, where did it not, right? Like where did it maybe fall short of maybe what you had hoped or or not, or just you notice like, eh, I'm not really tracking with it there. The dad in the show, um, Appa, they call him mm-hmm. daddy, right? And so, and that's, I think that's that's what he goes by, that, mm-hmm. like, or mm-hmm. Mr. Kim, there's actually yeah. no name, right? Just like hearing his accent, I start laughing because that's my dad's voice, right? Or like, and when he goes, stop, <laughs> he just kind of <laughs> keeps like, just all these little things that he does and when he lectures his kid, like his daughter mm-hmm. and all that stuff. 
it reminds that that's very reminiscent of growing up with my dad. I think my parents being immigrants, also being store owners, not it's a different type of store, but like the whole idea of like owning your own business, mm -hmm. like try to raise your family off of that. And then, so I think one of the things too, like they never say I love you, right? But hmm. you know they do, hmm. right? And I, I'm gonna tie this into food too, but like it's a sitcom, so there's like things that are kind of hokey about mm -hmm. it, but then there are times where I just like get really like choked up because mm -hmm. like, I think even like one of the first two episodes, like the daughter's just so like, do you think, do you, like, I think she felt like she shamed her father, and then she's like, and then she starts sobbing, and, he, and then he's just like, boop, like, like, <laughs> he, like, pokes her in the head, but it was this whole, like, I totally feel that as a kid who represents her, I'm an extension of my parents, right, mm -hmm. so, like, I represent mm -hmm. them, which is, it's still very, I'm tied to my parents no yeah. matter what, um, so I think there's something about that, and the fierce loyalty mm -hmm. of familial ties and so and that's why it's so painful when you yeah. see the son and him yeah. being estranged from one another and that's a deep deep painful mm. thing and that, that's kind of running the undercurrent of that yeah. whole show so um yeah so i'm i, I kind of connect all that stuff and when you're estranged from your family like how does that mm. play out and stuff so and then also just how food is like such a symbol of love right it's mm. like it's mm. all my parents will never my mom has never said she loves me mm. but I know she loves me because she, she all the long hours she worked at the store. Mm -hmm. And then when I just mention that I like something, like food-wise, she will make it for me. <laughs> and and the, the greeting in Korean is, have you eaten yet? That's like, that's the immediate, oh, really? yeah, yeah. That's, like, that's how you greet people. Huh. Mm -hmm. So that concept of like, we have to feed you because that's huh. love. So it's all action. So like yeah. our love language is not like saying I love you. Mm -hmm. It's all about through like what you huh. see the whole action of like feeding people my parents do like my family we like to give gifts too. so like all that kind of stuff is very it's never said but it's understood mm -hmm. right and so and for the longest time i didn't know that because i'm this american kid who like how come you don't say i love you like the white families on brady yeah. bunch and all this yeah. like how come you guys don't say that you just tie it up under the bow or growing pains or one of those things but but i huh. i've realized as as i've gotten older like oh they they would die for me, you know? Like, that's mm -hmm. what parents do, so. Mm -hmm. But yeah, things like that. I totally resonate with that. I mean, yeah, it, probably for a lot of Asian cultures, like, yeah, that's your, totally. did you eat is the, is I love you. <laughs> I love like you. Like, my, my grandma, my Lola, as soon as I walk in the door, she wouldn't even see me, but as soon as I walk in the door, you'd hear, did you eat? You know? <laughs> and then, you know, so it's like always, that was just the greeting, yeah. right? And, and it was a true, yeah, that's just how you show love, which is why food is the central mm -hmm. thing, and then relationships is connected to that. Mm -hmm. um, so I resonate with a, a lot of that. The show, I think, is interesting, because I, I can't, um, right, we Filipinos um, haven't, because we came in annexed, quote-unquote, by the United States, um, and, well, actually, I don't know, my Filipino-Canadian cousins might have a completely different experience, sure. but mm -hmm. and because there's a high level of English that, that Filipinos um, speak, mm -hmm. so we didn't, we're not small business owners the same way as mm -hmm. other, like, mm -hmm. Koreans have been. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to kind of watch the, the how the business is the home yeah. for the Kim family, yeah. mm. and it's it, that's just a very different yeah. place than like Filipino experience is not that. Yeah. Um, we don't. I think it's like the tenth yeah. or eleventh episode before we even see their home. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah, one yeah, short yeah. little yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but their life is spent in yeah. the store, yeah. and so that's a very different experience. Mm -hmm. So there's places that doesn't that can't quite connect, but like yeah, you're right. The parental relationships, mm -hmm. like trans, mm -hmm. the translation, the mistranslations of like just common colloquialisms mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so the mom 
mom saying like, oh, you know, we instead of saying like hooking up, she's like, oh, you're hooking around. You know, and stuff like that. I was like, oh, my mom did that all the time. And like as a little kid, I didn't know which one was the right. Col- so I would say the colloquialisms the way my mom would. And so yeah. or even with the accent. So I would I used to say, hurry up, hurry up. Uh, and people would make fun of me. And I'm like, uh, that's how my mom says it. And I was like, oh, hurry up. Like, I, you know, or um, there's. There's a couple other phrases that are probably not appropriate for me to say <laughs> that, that my mom would say, but and, and it was that's just that was just part of it, mm-hmm. and it's and and now I love it. It's part of the charm, mm-hmm. but but growing up, right, it was like no, that's not the way you say it. This is the way you say it. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things that I, I connected with, and that mm-hmm. yeah. Obviously, I'm not Asian Canadian or Asian American. I think that that was fine for me, in, especially in watching this. Like I didn't need to be center yeah. in yeah. the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, but I didn't feel unseen. I guess it wasn't a question of being seen in this show. Like that wasn't that wasn't a question for me. It was more of a question of like seeing, like seeing someone else. Um, so it wasn't necessarily centered on am I seen in this show. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, I think that there there were some things that resonate because story yeah. and mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. and family yep. dynamics. Right. I think really like. The, the relationship between the father and the daughter and just even the ways in which the father has had dreams and things um, that the daughter is now doing and the way in which he's trying to interact with that. So like um, the photography class when she got accepted to do the show but then he sold all of her um, <laughs> and he was really struggling and his friend was like, you're just jealous. Uh-huh. And it's like him really having to, to wrestle with, you know, these are the things that I wanted to do and I couldn't do, so I'm providing for you to do, but now mm-hmm. it's your your time to pay mm-hmm. me back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but him realizing, you know, how that translates for her, what that yeah. means. For, so that dynamic between parents who provide for their children so yeah. that their children can do the things that they couldn't do, mm-hmm. and then having to, like, wrestle with, man, these are the things that I've always kind of wanted to do, wanted to connect with, and I'm happy for you to go out and do it, but there's Mm -hmm. this tension there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that resonated for me, just being a daughter Mm -hmm. who's Mm -hmm. had the opportunity to go out and do amazing things because of my parents' sacrifice. So I think that there's a way that, um, if it's about feeling seen, that in that I felt seen, like, because it just says story, story, and there are Mm -hmm. all these differences, but... There are family dynamics yeah. and different ways that we can connect to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great point because, you know, part of what, I, at least what I do in my research and scholarship and teaching and stuff is I kind of become advocates for things, for shows and mm-hmm. whatnot to say, it seems like, you know, what's popular is this and it's almost always the same thing, this. <laughs> and I go, but there's this trove of resources out here that like, mm-hmm. whether it's movies or TV or books or whatever, that, wow, these are wonderful. And what's so interesting to me is a show like this could become very easily, and it is this in a way, but it could be basically an ethnic show, mm-hmm. right? Like it's mm-hmm. supposed to be meeting, but it's, right. it's not. And that's why I, I thought Helen Lee's article was interesting about it decentering because, yes, these are the characters, and this is, you know, their life is their life, and mm-hmm. it really seems to be, you know, a, a decent reflection in a sitcom form, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. And so... It's kind of like the food. It's both about the food, but it's not. It's something else. Right. And that's what it seems to me of going like, oh, this really is a sitcom. Why can't it be these characters with mm. these issues and these mm. kind of families? Yeah. Mm. But by and large, American television is populated by 
not that, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, to the point that you see it and you go, well, why? Why is it the exception? It shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't yeah. be. So for me, I, I think I'm with you in terms of like, do you see it? No, it's because it's a funny, well-told, engaging, mm-hmm. uh, pretty nuanced mm-hmm. for the most part um, show that that rings true to life in a lot mm-hmm. of ways um, that don't seem heavy-handed or, <laughs> you know, or overly on the nose either. Um, and we'll we'll talk. I think I have a few questions about is it even able to do some of the things it wants to do, whether it's like with religion, um, with, you know, you're talking mm. about your mom and the, the phrases, what, what does the mom say about the Christian boy? Uh, the cool Christian boy. Cool Christian Korean, right? Korean. Things like that. Um, or, um, so, you know, whether it represents uh, religion or Christianity in particular, uh-huh. this family, uh, you know, I know Marsh and I talked a little bit about even the, the actors playing, you know, what, uh-huh. what, the, how the, their accents and things, right? Uh-huh. Like, all these different dynamics that come in um, to play, the the thing that I'd love for us to do is really kind of use this show um, as the, you know, now we're back to the metaphorical thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the table that is set for us, for us to talk about things that might otherwise be hard for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. And obviously we have a relationship, so it's not like just any random people could walk in and have the same kind of conversation. but sort of my goal or hope is for us to be able to say, what does it look like to have these difficult sort of cross-sectional or intersectional conversations and have it around food where we enjoy each other's presence mm-hmm. and uh, we might even go tell people about how delicious the food was and invite them to come. Mm-hmm. But then something come out of it that each of us maybe say, I'm a slightly different or better human because of it Mm. um maybe even it's just i'm full now (laughs) right Mm. so i wonder uh, that's 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 basically my hope what if if you were going to name here's something that i would like to see come out of our progressive tv dinner as we progress from one place to the next and we talk about this funny witty sitcom what would be a a win for you well i mean we talked about you know like the the potluck theology um thing and and i I've realized for me that my understanding of potluck theology is the decentering. Hmm. It's that hmm. um, everyone gets to bring their best dish to the mm-hmm. table, but it's not about the one. I mean, the host does set the scene and, sure. and does have some of the structure, but it's not a dictated, this is what it's supposed to be. Um, and so I think I'm sort of I'm excited to see how this yeah. unfolds. Particularly because of the show is so decentered, mm-hmm. and it and the nuances in it to be able to be able to talk freely in that space without having to adjust. I always mm-hmm. feel like I'm adjusting a yeah. lot, particularly mm-hmm. in seminary, particularly in theological conversations. Mm-hmm. I'm adjusting to the language I'm translating into my head and trying to articulate it back in a way that translates better to mm-hmm. whoever's with me. Mm-hmm. So, if we can, mm-hmm. a win for me is not having to translate and just be able to bring my dish to the table and see how it goes. Nice. Mm-hmm. And part, partly why each of us are actually hosting a different mm-hmm. episode. Um, so we each get to play play that role a little bit differently. I know my menu's getting larger the more I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh man, it's going to be simple. I'm like, oh no, now you're coming to my house. you got to do more. <laughs> I want to learn more about each of you actually too and like mm-hmm. how you're experiencing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I want people to eat more Korean food. <laughs> Always a win. Um, and also, I guess for you, I think the thing about this show that it feels so much about family. And mm-hmm. I think like maybe that'll help you guys see an insight of like mm-hmm. how much. Oh God, why am I getting emotional? But like, my parents mean so much to me. Mm-hmm. And like, and it's that thing of like 
I, I want people to understand like how like essential that is yeah. for Korean kids. Like mm. we, what they think of us, means mm -hmm. so, like I want them to yeah. be proud of me. I want mm -hmm. them to like, and I know they love me, but it's always like, oh, but you could do this better. You could mm -hmm. always like, when will they ever just be okay with me just yeah. being me? You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so I think those are the things. And I, and I, it's more aspirational because the dad and the mom are kind of amazing in yeah. the show. Yeah. My parents are, I, I don't, he always kind of hits more of a realization and they oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if my dad's ever gone there. In 30 so, minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And so like, I'm like, man, I wish my dad was like that, yeah. you know what I mean? Because like, no, this is the way I do it, so you have to yeah. do it my mm -hmm. way. And so it's kind of, mm -hmm. I think, you know, so hope, you know, like, I hope, and also maybe I'll learn from that if I ever hmm. become a parent or like, you know, as we, as yeah. we get older and future generations of immigrant kids, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, second, third, fourth, but, um, things like that. I think mm -hmm. that would be cool to see. I go back and forth because I think part of it is wanting to find resonance. We always want to find resonance yeah. in, in an experience that's like outside of our own. But I think one of the things that I hope we all get a chance to learn is to appreciate and have grace for other experiences without having to name our own, like to find our own experience within that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I often see a lot of people who are like, you know, well, I don't see how this is useful. And like, mm -hmm. well, how do I, as this person, come mm -hmm. into this? Mm -hmm. How do I gain mm -hmm. from this? How do, mm -hmm. how do I resonate? Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then mm -hmm. it's not valuable. Mm -hmm. um, I, what I hope that we convey is that um, there is inherent value separate or does not contingent upon um, how it resonates with you personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is a different kind of muscle to work. Um, it's a different exercise to say, here is this show that is a great, funny, beautiful show that I may or may not mm -hmm. resonate with. I mean, I, I am, mm -hmm. but also because, you know, I'm from a lesbian, I'm a little creepy, culture, <laughs> yeah. I'm right. just in a different space. But yeah. for somebody who has never encountered Korean culture, mm -hmm. um, to be able to find beauty and life mm -hmm. in it without mm -hmm. saying I see myself there mm -hmm. yeah. or I resonate my experience resonates and that's why it's valuable mm -hmm. um, it's valuable because it is yeah. Yeah. Um, and so how do we convey creating those kind of spaces yeah. mm -hmm. um, that's I think where real mutuality um, and community can can yeah. be formed mm -hmm. um, not only by what we're connected to but there's a connection that is beyond us in a way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what I hope we kind of that's good kind of hit on. So would you? I know I didn't ask you guys follow-ups, but <laughs> would you say? So in that, I, I, I love that idea <coughs> of saying part of it is uh, any of us practicing the or, or developing the muscle of being present. That's going back to your earlier thing. Um, whether or not it's personally not edifying, resonant mm -hmm. with us, but it's still you're saying something more than simply like, okay, you sort of endure it and then you move on. Yeah. You're doing, it's more than like you're being present to it in a way that's important. And I, I think of it a lot and I never know how to quite say it. Like with my local church, for example, uh, my wife and I talk about like why we go and uh, <laughs> whether we go sometimes and other <laughs> stuff. And, and I don't, sometimes I don't know why people show up to church. Like I'm like, why are you, what, you know, in terms of why they articulate the reasons. Mm -hmm. And it generally is what you're describing. Like, unless it, personally resonates mm. with me or like spiritually edifies me or something mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. then it's basically worthless. Like, why, and I'm like, wow. I, so I stop and I go, well, at what point did my service on Sunday like personally edify me? And a lot of times I walk away going, well, it, it didn't, but that's actually not even why I'm there. But it's also that I'm not there 
to like endure something unendurable that has right. nothing to do with me. So I don't know how you would, if you could say any more, maybe you've said everything you wanted to, about what does that look like then as we walk into a space that may or may not directly resonate with us, are we there to be present? Are we there to learn? Um, are we there to basically develop a muscle of being present where we're not uh, necessarily seen in that way? Yeah, I'm gonna try to say this without getting all like, Theopoetically philosophical. Oh, I that's think that's okay. I think, and yet she will. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do it. Go. <laughs> No, bring I, your dish. Bring, yeah, your, bring, dish. bring your dish. I appreciate that. But I think there is something that happens when you make yourself wholly available to the unknown. Uh, like, mm -hmm. I know that there is something good here. And it may not resonate with what I understand is good or what I've experienced as good. But all that is required of me is to be present and, to, and to, to participate in whatever that looks like. And even when I walk away from there, I may not be able to articulate why that was personally yeah. edifying yeah. for me, but I know that it's doing something. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not going to be, I may never be able to articulate what that yes. doing is, yeah. but I know that it's doing something and I know that it's good. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the type of posture that we should work on. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, com I'm coming in mm -hmm. the presence of people who have lived lives and who have done all these different things and everybody's bringing their best, their mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. I, it may not resonate with me. I mean, like, that may not be, you know, my cup of tea it's or my, my whatever. <laughs> it's not my jam. It's mm -hmm. not my, you know, but there's, there's something good here in a way that doesn't have to be validated by my experience or my ideas or my thought. Mm -hmm. And we we may all feel the same way and be like, I don't know what just happened, but <laughs> there was a, something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a Canadian I, thing. We right? Maybe we just gotta go to Canada and find it. But I think it's just, it's a sense of like, if we let go of all of our prerequisites and our requirements of what good is, and we just know that the good thing is to be present with one another mm -hmm. and to hold one another's mm -hmm. story and experience, there, that, I think, will create a possibility for something to happen mm -hmm. that's a lot bigger than what we can imagine. Which is being a good guest, right? Being yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to our friend who's a vegetarian, right. but will eat meat when it's pr yeah. pr given to him because he's a good guest. And it's, yeah. it has nothing to do with his own daily personal life that he, you know, wants to lead, but yet it's about the other. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. yeah. Right. There it is. Decentering. Mm -hmm. uh, moving toward the other. Mm -hmm. That's I, and, and I think it, it's back to you know also your Marsha talking about how deep just your connection to your parents, but then also food is connected. Mm -hmm. I've, I find it no not incidental that the Christian community has a meal at the center of its mm -hmm. practices mm -hmm. because that's basically what you do at a meal. Like we do have to eat. We literally have to eat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And part of sort of the Christian life is to commit to the eating with others. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know exactly what's all happening. You know, I do have to get sustenance, but but there's all this other stuff, these other possibilities that um, may not even be within my imagination right now. That's what I'm committing to. And, and man, there's so many, I just, there's another major institution, I'll just say that, um, mm -hmm. where board members left over, you know, mm -hmm. what you can imagine is the, the usual sort of political lines. And I'm like, and I was texting my mom actually, and I go, I just, I don't see, the cynic in me doesn't see an alternative future other than we have very two very distinct and separate Christianities in the U.S. Mm. in the not-too-distant future, unless we do something different. Um, and one of it has to be like, okay, this isn't my jam, mm -hmm. <laughs> but what I'm committed to is the meal. Mm -hmm. and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not walking away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 
and that I think uh, is again why you know communion is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although it wasn't a progressive meal. Hmm. See, theological interpretation right. or uh, improvisation <laughs> gets you in trouble. It's not necessarily doing something different. Difference already exists. Yep. Yeah. Those doings yeah. is like going to a meal and somebody's adding something. You're like, yeah. what the exactly. heck are you doing? They're like, yeah. dude, you just gotta try it. Yeah. Yeah. It blows your mind. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But they've been doing it forever. Yeah. It exists. We just have to. Yep. Allow ourselves That's to be true. open to enter yeah. into it. Yeah, I meant exist in my own imagination, yeah. right? So like French fries and Frosties. You guys ever do that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, that's good I think stuff. Everyone all right, does. all right. Just, I'm just making sure. Just making sure. But it sure. could be weird. Yeah. It could I, well, be weird. I, and you know. it's typically good. Yeah. 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 I was trying salt on watermelon. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. Uh, all right. Well then, all the, all the stuff I do is played out. Well, um, I'm super. Uh, Pickles and peppermint sticks. Wait. What? Oh, Wait. What? Exactly. Okay. We just... uh, okay. Yeah. That, that'll be the secret bonus episode where we bring weird thing Why is combinations. Why eating that stuff? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm super happy that you all are joining me and hosting me, um, and uh, look forward to some delicious food. So, um, we're up. I think Marsha is uh, up next, and uh, we'll host us and we'll kick it off then. So, thanks a bunch, everybody. Thanks again for joining our Progressive TV dinner. For those interested in more conversations on all things theology and culture, find past episodes of the Cutter Calloway podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or CutterCalloway.com. As always, thanks to Day Salah Thompson for the sweet tunes. And a special word of thanks to our generous sponsors, the Brim Center and the Asian American Center at Fuller Theological Seminary.